At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. I guess that uh, uh, at this point, uh, more importantly than uh, anything I've said so far, I'd like to uh, thank Mark Andre Fleury for uh, his time in Vegas. It's uh, incredible uh, the moments that uh, we shared with him as part of our organization. He was the most uh, popular player I've ever seen in sports. He was the face of the franchise when you. Uh, think back to how it all began, the storybook first season, the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the passion that he has for the game as, uh, as both a teammate and a player that's uh, connected to the fan base. I want to recognize uh, his uh, great accomplishments, thank him for his time, uh, for his time here. He's had a tremendous impact on our organization. He's had a tremendous impact uh, on our cities. What is a hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey and uh, some special players who play it because obviously this is going to be an episode devoted basically entirely to one Mark andre Fleury. I am Ben Goats, one of your Golden Knights beat writers for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Joining me on the other line is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, How is this lovely July Tuesday treating you? Well, you know, I was hoping to get through this week, you know, maybe a little quiet and then slink off to my vacation and, you know, just kind of see what happens from there. But not with this team, not with Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee in charge. No way. It's always always got to be something for us going on. Huh? Exactly, they are a lot of things, but never boring, and that includes uh, today's massive uh, news of they have traded Mark Andre Fleury to the Chicago Blackhawks. There is so much to dissect with this kind of bombshell of a news item that dropped in our laps uh, this Tuesday morning. We're obviously going to go over the implications. Uh, for the Knights, why they decided to do it, how they ended up doing it, and what it means for the future. We're basically going to spend this entire episode going over that. We'll probably be back with you guys later this week recapping what the Knights did in uh, free agency. But we felt that Marc-Andre Fleury was obviously based on his outside impact on the organization and the city of Las Vegas, worth an episode basically unto himself. So before we dive in, I want to remind you guys that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning. Uh, We are also presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Uh, Also, you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts due to this one. That would really, really be appreciated. It helps people find us. Uh, And of course, if you guys could check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com, that would be much appreciated. Or even the print section because no spoilers, but I think uh, tomorrow's print section of the review journal is going to be a doozy and one that you guys are going to want to hold on to. We had so many people covering so many different angles of this story and it'll all be there in one neat little paper sized package. So I really recommend you guys pick that up. 
All right. So as I mentioned off the top uh, this morning, news broke that Marc-Andre Fleury, the face of the Knights franchise, the Vesna Trophy winner, and of course, a almost certain Hall of Famer was traded to Chicago. Uh, the return was minor league forward uh, Mikhail Hakarainen, who is actually going to remain in Chicago's organization. Uh, if Knights fans remember, a similar kind of arrangement happened when uh, defenseman Nick DeSimone was technically traded to the Knights in the Matthias Yanmark deal at the deadline, but actually stayed with the Sharks organization. It's basically the similar setup. So essentially, the Knights traded the best player in team history so far and his $7 million cap hit this upcoming season for essentially no return. Uh, before we get into the particulars, and boy, are we going to get into some particulars of this trade. Uh, Dave, just when this news dropped and you first saw it, what was your initial reaction and response to the news that Marc-Andre Fleury is no longer going to be a golden knight? Well, I mean, I think we heard some whispers. If you follow the right people on Twitter and things like that, there were some rumblings. Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet had kind of floated that something fell apart at the draft with a goalie, and he didn't really say it by name, but he had kind of been hinting, and some other folks have been hinting that Chicago um, had shown some interest in Marc-Andre Fleury. And, you know, I think we can say it now because I don't think it's going to happen, but apparently, like, New Jersey uh, had shown some interest in Robin Leonard. Uh, and maybe New Jersey showed some interest in Marc-Andre Fleury as well. It seemed like Kelly McCrimmon alluded to a second team as well that, you know, he'd kind of come in at the end uh, and maybe wanted to do something as well. Uh, so in that regard, I, I think, you know, it wasn't like totally caught off guard. And yet I say all that and you're just never ready for it. Like you see it come across and then, you see the Knights and you make some phone calls, you talk some, to some people and, you know, they put their release out and it's just like, wow, really? It really, really happened. Like, you know, I mean, you're kind of preparing for it, you're preparing for it and then it happens and it still just feels, you know, like it came out of left field and, and you just never saw it coming. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, and we've obviously mentioned on this show several times the possibility that the Knights could move a goaltender this offseason. We talked about it all the time last offseason when there were, I would say, even more rampant rumors that Marc-Andre Fleury was on the trading block, potentially on the move. But until, you know, they actually pull the trigger on it until, as you said, kind of like the tweet comes out from the night saying, yep, it's official. We have traded Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, it's, it, as you said, it just kind of hits you almost like a, a bus, a ton of bricks, whatever you want to say. It's just something that, takes a while to really impact and realize that uh, the organization, you know, for better or for worse, they're obviously hoping for better, uh, is never going to be the same, Dave. I mean, we'll see. You know, he certainly had his impact on the city. Uh, I think if you go on Twitter, you talk to some fans and and all that, you sort of gauge the anger and, and you know, some of the things as far as, you know, the fan reaction where they're at. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people are pleased. I think... You know, it's, I hesitate to use this phrase. It's the one that comes to mind and I shouldn't really compare it, but it's, you know, for them, it's like the day that, that lives in infamy. I mean, as much as all of the positives from the last four years and the, 
you know, the good vibes and the buildup and that first season and going to the Stanley Cup, you know, this date and trading Marc-Andre Fleury and the decision that they made and the direction that this franchise is headed as a result of that, I, I mean, it's all going to, you know, come back to this date and this trade and this decision. Yeah, it's definitely an inflection point. So let's quick, uh, before we even get more into why the Knights say that this happened and kind of how it went down, let's zoom out a little bit to get more of the full picture. Um, Flurry, obviously, as I'm sure everyone listening to this knows, if they're a Knights fan, came over from Pittsburgh in the expansion draft, you know, immediately becomes the Knights' most recognizable player, was a star player in Pittsburgh, uh, won three Stanley Cups there, one as their primary starter. So he immediately gives the Knights someone fans can latch on to. Uh, despite some injuries, he has a tremendous first season, takes them to the Stanley Cup final. There, of course, is a plot twist in year three when the team trades for Robin Leonard at the deadline and later makes him their primary starter during the playoffs, which, of course, leads to the infamous sword in Flurry's back on Twitter uh, from his agent, Alan Walsh, uh, obviously admonishing Knights coach Pete DeBoer for his decision to start Leonard. Knights, after all that, still decide to bring both guys back after losing to Dallas in the semifinals. They re-sign Leonard to a five-year, $25 million contract. And as I mentioned, they obviously explore trading Marc-Andre Fleury, but ultimately don't pull the trigger on a deal. They keep both guys. They allocate $12 million to their goalies, which is the second highest cap hit in the league, but they create this kind of superstar tandem that lives up to its billing, really, uh, last season. Both goalies play really well when they're in the net. Together, they win the the Jennings Trophy for the fewest goals allowed in an NHL season. Fleury wins the Vesna Trophy as the NHL's best goaltender. He had never even been a finalist before. Uh, But now, ultimately, after that season, the Knights decide to break the two of them up. Uh, So, Dave, we obviously heard from General Manager Colin McCrimmon today. Why did the Knights feel that this partnership had to end? Well, I think it's a little bit of twofold, but the majority of it from talking to Kelly McCrimmon and then, you know, Bill Foley uh, also uh, gave me a few minutes and I was able to get his reaction to the deal and ask him a few questions as well. Uh, And it became clear that they felt like they needed salary cap space and the best way to go about doing that now, you know, for any future deals or whatever they're going to do trade-wise, free agency, or anything going forward, the best way for them to free that money up was to trade Marc-Andre Fleury. He has a $7 million cap hit with one year remaining. And talking to Bill Foley, they didn't feel like they would have the cap space you know, going forward to sign Marc-Andre Fleury to an extension. I guess you know he had publicly said... Uh, that he would be willing to take a hometown discount or at least it kind of had been put out there through his agent that that was the case. But, you know, the other thing with all of this is that goes back to the trade for Robin Leonard and then the commitment that they made when they re-signed him to a five-year, $25 million contract extension. And Kelly McCrimmon kind of alluded to this today in his in his media availability. You know, when the Knights drafted Marc-Andre Fleury in the expansion draft, they knew they would get good goaltending 
early on. But all along behind closed doors, they had had conversations and had been talking all along about who's going to be the next goalie, who's going to take over, you know, from Marc-Andre Fleury, who's the future. And once they acquired Robin Leonard and signed him to that contract extension in the prime of his career, they made that commitment and they, they basically said that he was their goaltender of the future. And right now, after allocating $12 million, and this was something else that, that Bill Foley pointed out, they just maneuvered and jumped through hoops and did all kinds of salary cap gymnastics, and they just felt like, especially in an 82-game season, that they couldn't go through that again. It exhausted them going into the postseason, and Bill Foley in particular felt like it cost them against Montreal, that they just ran out of gas, that the effect of having to play at times, you know, 15 skaters or 17 skaters, you know, time after time, especially down the stretch, ended up costing them. And they weren't going to go through that salary cap hell, you know, again this season. And so, you know, of all the decisions that they could make, and there will probably be some more coming up here, the one that cleared the most cap space that made the most sense that, you know, put them in the position that they wanted to be in was to trade Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. So it's interesting because you mentioned earlier that there at least was some rumblings around Robin Leonard as well, but Leonard still has four years remaining on his deal with that $5 million AAV. Fleury, as you said, has one year left at uh, $7 million. I mean, if one of them was going to go, Dave, even though Flurry was the Vesna Trophy winner. I mean, just from kind of the calculated asset management standpoint, did it always make sense that uh, Flurry was be the one that had to go? Yeah, plus probably, you know, you look at the age. I mean, Marc-Andre Flurry as well as he played in winning the Vesna Trophy this year, is going to be 37 in November, going into the last year of his contract. You know, he's coming off of a Vesna Trophy season if they were ever going to kind of sell high, and I don't know that, you know, Mikhail Hakarainen is really selling high, um, but this was the time to do it. I mean, they got nothing back, almost literally nothing back. I mean, because you mentioned, like, Hakarainen is not even going to be with them. He's going to stay with the Chicago organization and probably play in Rockford. This was just a complete, we need your $7 million cap space, and it's hard. And it's disappointing. And Bill Foley used the phrase that he finally capitulated, you know, into agreeing to this deal because, you know, look, this is this is the other thing too. You know, Bill Foley was adamant, very public, and said he wanted Marc Andre Fleury to retire as a Golden Knight. Marc Andre Fleury obviously wanted to stay here. Even Kelly McCrimmon acknowledged that Marc Andre Fleury wanted to stay in Vegas. But, you know, these are the tough decisions. These are why Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, you know, get paid what they get paid. And it shows that, you know, ultimately Bill Foley is kind of conceding the hockey operations side and those decisions to George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon. And he's not, I guess, maybe trying to pull a Jerry Jones and say he knows best and, you know, trying to be a scout. And, and I want, the, you know, I know this guy's better He's leaving it up to them, and that was the decision that they made and their their scouting staff made. Now, we, we can talk about this too, I think, because at what point 
you know, do their feet start to get to the fire as GMs? At what point when all else fails and they keep falling short, if they keep falling short and, you know, it costs them Marc-Andre Fleury and, you know, Nick says, all these other deals, all these other draft picks, everything that they've done, you know, at what point do heads start rolling and George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, you know, start taking the blame and the brunt of it? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It obviously depends on how these decisions play out. But one reason that they're feeling the heat at least a little bit right now, especially from fans, is how things at least appeared to play out a little bit today. So Flurry obviously at this point joins a pretty decent list of guys who have had kind of abrupt ends to their Knights career. Uh, as you kind of alluded to right there, Dave, the Knights under George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon have developed a, a pretty good reputation at this point of being, I guess, you know, you could say ruthless if you want to be unkind about it. They have a single-minded goal to make this team the best it can possibly be and win a Stanley Cup. And they don't let uh, feelings, emotions, or like past performance kind of get in the way of that for better or worse. I mean, uh, literally before we just started recording, news broke that Nate Schmidt had just been traded again from the Vancouver Canucks to the Winnipeg Jets. And he's kind of the, you know, analog, right? Last year, he was an original misfit. One of the Knights uh, first members had been a big part of the team's culture. And then he got traded kind of suddenly without really hearing from George McPhee beforehand. And he felt really hurt by that. But the Knights felt that that move made them better because they would replace Schmidt with Alex Petrangelo. Uh, Now, Flurry. Likewise, seemed surprised by today's trade because uh, in the morning after news had broke on Twitter, but before it kind of became official through the night, uh, Fleury's agent, Alan Walsh, took to Twitter and said, hey, my client hasn't actually been told that he's been traded by the Knights yet, which led to, you know, a flurry of people on social media kind of, you know, decrying the Knights for how they went about this. Uh, now, McCrimmon, at his being availability today, insisted that, you know, he... And uh, Flurry had talked about, you know, the fact that the goaltending tandem could change at Flurry's exit interview right after the loss to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, McCrimmon said he kept, you know, lines of communication open with Flurry in his camp throughout the offseason. He said he even brought up that Chicago was interested in Flurry to him about, you know, two weeks ago. So he said, you know, they were in communication and that um, they knew that a move was definitely possible. Now, McCrimmon did admit that today. The news got got out on Twitter before the official trade call with the NHL happened. So the team was not the one that actually delivered the news to Marc-Andre Fleury that he was no longer a Golden Knight. And we've seen this happen a little bit in the past as well. Like I said, kind of bringing up Nate Schmidt because, you know, McCrimmon's policy is that the trade has to be official and called into NHL Central Registry before he goes and then tells, you know, the player because he doesn't want something to fall through at the last minute for that trade not to happen and have someone, you know, believe that they were being traded for no reason. Um, So I'll ask you, Dave, what do you make, I guess, specifically of the way this exit with Marc-Andre Fleury happened? And, you know, were you surprised that even though the Knights, as we've talked about, have been pretty, like I'll use the word again, ruthless in the past, uh, that Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't different, that, you know, we were kind of surprised that Nate Schmidt was an exception last year, but are you even more surprised that Marc-Andre Fleury 
ended up being treated kind of just like anyone else when it came to his exit from the organization? Yes and no. And, and, you know, part of this is, part of this is, is having to go through this all as media a little bit, you know, and sort of us learning, you know, what's standard operating procedure and, and what is normal. It seems a little bit, a little bit like Alan Walsh sort of taking advantage of the optics of the situation, you know, in terms of, oh, we didn't even know. And we found out, you know, through Twitter and, and, and all of this, if it's the case, and I don't know if, but if, if it's the case that, that players really normally find out on Twitter and GMs don't tell them or they don't tell the agent and, and they're not getting a, you know, five minutes before a text saying, Hey, heads up, this is going through, you know, get ready, you know, or something like that. Like if that's not a normal thing, then I guess I can't blame the Knights for not breaking procedure. What I will say though, is that you would think Marc-Andre Fleury for what he's done for his relationship with Bill Foley, that, that maybe it would be a little bit different, that maybe there would be, you know, a little bit closer communication. Now, that being said, also, you know, and, and you mentioned this, he's the latest in a long line sort of to go through this. And you talked about, you know, Nate Schmidt, but, you know, we could go back even to that first year a little bit with David Perron. And again, same agent. It's, it's again, it's Alan Walsh, but, you know, there was a little bit of discord there with how that was handled and Perron saying that he never got an offer and, you know, George McPhee kind of, you know, standing up in front of all of us saying, you know, we offered all of our free agents and, and things like that. You know, Jar Gallant was dismissed, you know, pretty unceremoniously. Uh, even Dave Pryor in that situation, they certainly tried to sweep that under the rug, you know, as well as they could. Heck, even like the broadcasters, you know, Mike McKenna didn't have his contract renewed, apparently. He made that announcement you know, recently that he wasn't coming back. We talked about that on the previous podcast and, you know, heck, let's put it out there. Let's go back to, you know, Ali Lozoff and Mick Gizmondi, Brad May, some of the other broadcasters that didn't have their, you know, contracts renewed. And certainly at the time, I think, were upset about how it was all handled. So, you know, it didn't prevent them from, you know, landing a free agent like Alex Petrangelo. You certainly hear, you know, a guy like Mark Stone backing up you know, Kelly McCrimmon and saying, you know, they're in the winning business and, you know, there, there are some tough decisions that have to be made. And sometimes, you know, some feelings get hurt, uh, but it does feel a little bit wrong or just off how, how all this was handled and not taking care of Marc-Andre Fleury and all this and maybe not making him aware or, you know, keeping him abreast of what was going on a little closer to when it was actually going to be finalized. I think it's a fair criticism of criticism of this front office. And I think it's hard to ignore the reputation that they seem to be developing around the league for, you know, just being cold blooded and focused on only winning. 
One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-ONE HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. If you love listening to us here on Golden Edge, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, We'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, the fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, that definitely, I mean, is their focus, and McCrimmon said it a bunch today, like, my job is to, you know, get this team in the best place possible, and sometimes that means hard decisions, and obviously sometimes those hard decisions don't necessarily sit well with people. Um, so pretty soon uh, we're going to shift into what this move means for everyone uh, moving forward. But I want to take at least uh, a second to kind of, you know, reflect on Mark andre Fleury and ultimately the legacy that he's going to leave here with the Knights and Las Vegas. I mean, I was thinking about this today, Dave. Uh, could anyone have endeared a sport and a team to a city like Marc-Andre Fleury did in terms of, you know, instantly winning over a bunch of people to both hockey and the Knights. Cause I would have to, it's just a very short list. It would seem to me that was able to kind of charm people the way that he was very quickly and very often in his Knights career. I mean, I think about that first year and who was available and some of the guys that came in, you know, you talked to, you know, friends around town that, you know, don't work with us that are fans. And, you know, who do you like? You know, why do you like them? And, you know, James Neal that first year seemed to, you know, be a real popular guy. You know, the big pearly white, you know, fake teeth smile. You know, and obviously like Nate Schmidt, you know, just his personality and and, and all of that. But when you think about Marc-Andre Fleury and – I, I don't know how to explain it other than just the perfect storm of, of marketing and his personality, play on the ice, just everything that happened that first year. You know, he, I, th- I think this is the other thing too, and, and I don't want to turn this into a, a conversation about Robin Leonard right now and, 
and you know all of that but you know he was the undisputed number one goaltender there was there was you know no challenge like Malcolm Subban was there but everybody knew that Malcolm Subban was the backup it was all about Marc Andre Fleury and they marketed him and they put the flowers on the ice and you know he he donated a charity and he was just he was just he was Marc Andre Fleury. He he was exactly what Pittsburgh needed when they drafted him. And he was exactly what Vegas needed when Vegas drafted him in the expansion draft. It's part of the reason, you know, that he's a Hall of Famer. It's part of the reason that, you know, he just goes by flower. You know, you can just say flower, and everybody in the league knows. You know who it is, and, and not many people have that soccer one name kind of persona and and can pull it off. And you know, Mark Andre Fleury did it here. And you know, had they not made the Stanley Cup, I still think Mark Andre Fleury would have put this city and this franchise on the hockey map because of who he is and the way that he plays. Yeah, before we uh, turn the page a little bit, I mean, do you have a uh, personal favorite Marc-Andre Fleury moment or interaction from uh, four years of covering him? (laughs) I do. I do, but it's not safe for work. So I'm going to try to tell the story, but I have to edit it. Um, So the very first year after they swept the Kings – in the playoffs, there was a, you know, a few days of off time and off days. And there were only a couple of us that were standing around Marc-Andre Fleury's locker and we were asking him questions. And, you know, one of the things I was trying to ask him about and, and learn about really was, you know, the difference between a regular season goalie and a playoff goalie and, and guys who can kind of flip the switch and, and turn it on and, you know, at the time, I think I didn't quite fully grasp the difficulty that he had at times in Pittsburgh with sort of the, you know, playoff flurry and the criticism that he got there. He, you know, everything about Marc-Andre Fleury is so positive. And I asked about that and I pushed him a little bit and he basically in so many words told me to get the bleep out of here. (laughs) And I did. And I walked away and then he kind of shot another, you know, whatever at me about, you know, it wasn't good enough for you, you know, holding the, the Kings. I think it was to, you know, what was it? Four goals or something like that in the, in the four games. I don't remember seven goals or whatever it was in that series that, that they swept them in the four. And I just was stunned and I just stopped and was just kind of like, I, I, I apologize. Like I'm so, you know, yes. Yeah. 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 But he just came at it and you saw like a completely different side, sort of the side, you know, we see it a little bit and I'll let this out. You know, our country flurry has got a very foul mouth and I love it. Like he, he'll catch himself when he cusses and he'll apologize, but he was mad at me and he was really, you know, he was legitimately angry and probably, had a right to be. And, you know, I walked out of the locker room that day and I felt really bad. And I, you know, was kind of checking myself a little bit as a reporter and, you know, how I asked questions and how I 
you know, approach a subject. And, you know, I was walking out of City National Arena and Marc-Andre Fleury happened to be doing some photo stuff in a different area. And he walked right past me and stopped me. And he looked me right in the eye and he said, David, I apologize. And we talked for two minutes and I apologized to him and, you know, told him I pushed him too hard on that, you know, that, that subject. And I understand. And, you know, I always felt like he and I had a cool relationship kind of going forward. Maybe that had something to do with it. And I always loved hearing him slip up and cuss and drop an F-bomb or, or something like that in the locker room and the get all sheepish and, you know, feel bad about it. But that just, yeah, that one story, especially, I don't know why it always stuck with me. Just, you know, maybe it was kind of my welcome to the NHL or something like that. But just to see kind of that different side of Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, a little of that competitive side and, you know, a little of that, uh, little of that, that foul mouth. Cause certainly uh, as we do this podcast and I do radio stuff, I have a bad mouth and I have to catch myself all the time. So I can certainly appreciate that about Marc-Andre Fleury. And that's just one rambling long story that I'll actually never forget. Yeah. No. Yeah. That story is perfect. Uh, I want to quick. Yeah. Tell a couple before we move on here. One, uh, when you were talking, I was trying to rack my brain because you popped another story into my head and I was at a road game once and I think it was one of the nearby ones, LA or San Jose or Anaheim. I wish I could remember. I don't. Um, and, you know, there's a couple reporters that were just talking to Flurry after he wrapped up like his post-game availability or whatever. And um, someone had mentioned like, hey, weren't there like a lot of Knights fans? Wasn't that cool? And Flurry said, oh, yeah, yeah. And then he asked like the reporters that were there like, hey, please videotape me like saying, hey, thanks for all your support fans. Like he wanted to get it out there and he like stopped reporting like, hey, no, turn your cameras back on to make sure that I get this out there, which is just uh, crazy. But my all time favorite Marc-Andre Fleury story is uh, one time I was in Summerlin at a friend's birthday brunch. And of course, you know, we were being a very over the top, uh, you know, obnoxious table. I think my friend had some silly hat on to indicate that it was his birthday and we'd sung happy birthday from him. So we just, you know, took everyone's attention in this night's brunch place. And right before we did that, you know, I just noticed out of the corner of my eye, Marc-Andre Fleury and his family kind of, you know, just walked in, sat down at a table and obviously had to be, you know, forced to listen to all of our lovely singing voices. And I don't think he actually noticed me or uh, saw that I was there. But a little bit later, after we finished singing Happy Birthday, all of a sudden our waitress brings some drinks over to the table and mentions like, hey, like these drinks uh, have been purchased by someone in the restaurant. Happy birthday. And obviously we're just like perplexed and like kind of confused of like who would have done this. And we kind of pressed the waitress on a little bit. She's like, look, like whoever, you know, bought these doesn't want to say, doesn't want it known that he like goes and does this or whatever. And so obviously it was pretty easy to connect the dots and realize that uh, Marc-Andre Fleury bought my friend birthday drinks just because he happened to walk into the restaurant we were at and saw that it was his birthday and decided to do like a super nice thing for him uh, despite not knowing him at all or whatever. And so that's just uh, what Marc-Andre Fleury uh, does. He just like does little acts of kindness 
where he goes, including making my friend's birthday, obviously one he'll never forget because he loves telling that story about the time that, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury bought him a drink. Um, so that's my all-time uh, favorite Marc-Andre Fleury story. And obviously for a lot of reasons, that's awesome. I think, yeah, I think he'll be missed because I'm sure uh, me and my friends are not the only ones that have a Fleury story like that. Um, so now we got to spin forward a little bit and just discuss you know, where all parties are going to go from here. Uh, and we'll start with Marc-Andre Fleury himself. Uh, he's joining a Chicago team that already made one splash move this offseason by trading for uh, defenseman Seth Jones from Columbus. And it appears that, you know, they're really trying to go for it here with kind of Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane uh, starting to creep towards the end of their deals. Now, there is some question of whether Fleury is going to show up and play. Um, his agent, uh, Alan Walsh, said Fleury, quote, will be taking time to discuss his situation with his family and seriously evaluate his hockey future at this time. I mean, McCrimmon mentioned today Flurry wanted to stay in Las Vegas. That was his number one preference. Now, maybe this is some sort of leverage ploy by Flurry by to, you know, try to get moved to somewhere, somewhere he really wants to be. I mean, I think people have kind of brought up that, oh, you know, maybe Flurry was blindsided by this move, but, you know, Kelly McCrimmon sure tried to paint a picture today that Flurry was well aware that this at least could be a possibility. Um, you know, I guess, Dave, what do you think about Marc-Andre Fleury's future and where he's going to end up going from here? Well, I mean, obviously he's with Chicago. As you sort of pointed out, it's a halfway decent team. And it's a pretty good city. You know, no offense, I'm going to, I'll mention like a couple here, but, you know, it's not Ottawa. It's not, you know, Buffalo or something. Like, he didn't get exiled. He's he's playing for a team if he decides to play. You know, that, like you said, made a big move for Seth Jones. Might get, you know, is probably expected to get Jonathan Taves back, you know, from from his medical condition. You know, Stan Bowman is making moves there to improve and give them one last chance, you know, with, with Kane and, and Taves, like you said, you know, to, to, to see if they can try to win one. If you're Marc-Andre Fleury, you've got one year and you want to take one shot at it. Like, it's not a bad place to play. And it doesn't sound like he can maneuver his way to, like, Pittsburgh or something like that which seems, you know, maybe like another logical landing spot if, if you were going to go somewhere. I think some of this is maybe once the sting, you know, wears off, you know, that, that you know, he'll, he'll want to play. I, I just keep coming back to how much fun he seemed to have this year, that he didn't, didn't look 36. You know, he didn't, he didn't look like somebody who was coming up on retirement you know, coming up on the last year of his contract and being asked questions about how long do you want to play. He looked like he still had gas in the tank. He looked energized this year, refreshed. He bounced back so well, obviously winning the Vezina Trophy. So to, to kind of say, you know, he's going to like what do like an Aaron Rodgers thing here and like I'm going to retire, I'm just going to walk away or, or well, I, I, I don't know that I entirely see that. But – you know, I don't think he needs the money. And 
if he feels like he's at a point where family's more important and he can walk away from $7 million on the table and has lost his love, uh, you know, obviously, you know, everything that happened with his dad passing away and, and the effect, you know, that it had on him. And I mean, who can blame him? Jeez. You know, I'm somebody who's, mom passed away when, when he was a kid, I can, you know, can only, I can only imagine what it's like to go through your whole life with, you know, your father by your side and, you know, your whole hockey career. It, it obviously had an effect on him. And so, you know, who knows if that factors into it, but at least just looking back at last year, it felt like he still had love for the game. And I remember him saying, as long as he still had fun, as long as he still enjoyed coming to the rink, you know, he still wanted to play. Right. He said that numerous times kind of, you know, during this season as he hit, you know, a bunch of milestones like climbing to third on the all-times wins list. He mentioned again after winning the Vesna Trophy in his kind of, you know, post-awards show Zoom that he did. And so, you know, because he seemed to be having a lot of fun last year and was at, I mean, literally the top of his game. I mean, he had the best save percentage and the best goals against average of his career last year. I mean, as you said, it's tough to see him walking away from that, but, you know, maybe he decides in the back said that uh, he just wouldn't have the same level of fun getting to know a new city, a new locker room, a new team and all that. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, now for the Knights, this puts them in a very interesting situation before free agency opens. Um, it opens at uh, 9 a.m. Wednesday. As I mentioned off the top, we're recording this uh, very late on Tuesday afternoon. So by the time a lot of you guys are uh, listening to this, free agency might already have started and the Knights might have already made a bunch of moves, but we'll recap those at a later date. For now, we'll just focus quick on Flurry and its impact. Uh, once the Knights sign Alec Martinez to a three-year extension, which uh, we obviously expect to become official. We think that will become official likely tomorrow based on what McCurman said today. Uh, they're going to have approximately $5.84 million in cap space before re-signing a restricted free agent Nolan Patrick. Uh, they will have 13 forwards, seven defensemen, and one goalie under contract on uh, one-way deals, which means you know they get paid the same whether they're in the NHL or AHL. Once Martinez and Patrick sign... Um, McCurman did say the team was going to go shopping for a backup goaltender to shoulder the load with Leonard via free agency or trade. They're not just going to hand that job to AHL goalie of the year, Logan Thompson. Uh, obviously, they're going to be, besides goalies, some offensive options available in the flat cap world that the Knights can pursue because everyone's budgets are being squeezed a little bit tighter. Um, so just real quick before we wrap up here, Dave, how do you think this sets up kind of the rest of their offseason starting tomorrow? I don't think you make a move like trading Mark Andre Fleury to, you know, clear all that cap space without something big in mind. Uh, obviously, the name that, you know, is the, on the tip of everybody's tongue is Jack Eichel. And he's got a $10 million cap hit. And, you know, if you go on social media and you follow all the insiders and, you know, everything like that, the links seem to be getting stronger and stronger. I haven't had a chance to, you know, make many phone calls myself, you know, on that matter. But, you know, there's even some alleged proposed deals out there and and things like that. So that's the obvious one. Like, if you're going to take the PR hit, 
that they know that was coming with a move like trading flurry. You don't do it without feeling pretty good that you've got something coming back that's going to keep you as a Stanley Cup contender and or, you know, improve your chances. And so, you know, whether that's a different center, uh, whether that's a different player, you know, whether that's Jack Eichel, whether it's, you know, we've heard a name like Ryan Strom, you know, connected to them. Uh, they're obviously not done. They're obviously going to do something. They obviously, you know, are going to use that cap space to, you know, probably strengthen themselves down the middle. Now, that's all despite Kelly McCrimmon's contention that, you know, the outside view that they need to improve at the center position is probably stronger than their internal view that they need to do that, that they feel pretty good about Chandler Stevenson, William Carlson, Nolan Patrick, Brett Howden, uh, Nicholas Waugh, and, you know, probably some of the other folks that they have in their system. But, again, you don't make a move like trading Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, there's too much smoke for there not to be some fire, you know, for them to be linked, you know, to somebody big, uh, a big cap hit, and, you know, most likely somebody that can put the puck in the net and help get them over the hump in the uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens, but it should be an eventful few days for the Knights, as it always seems to be this time of year. Um, so like I said, we'll come back with you guys probably later this week with an episode recapping what the Knights ultimately did in free agency and any trades that they might make as well moving forward. But obviously we felt because of Marc-Andre Fleury's outside impact on the organization, he kind of deserved a special quick episode to break down this move specifically um, because that's just how much he meant. Uh, so before we wrap up here, I want to remind everyone that we are sponsored by One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning. We are also presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Um, also, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts due to this one, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, and once again, uh, if you can check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com or pick up the paper tomorrow because, like I said, I think it's going to be a very special edition of the paper. Uh, just would highly recommend. That would be very, very nice of you guys. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Ben Goats. He's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. We'll talk to you guys again real soon. One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.